Good evening and welcome to Brit on Messianic Synagogue's Tuesday evening Bible study. We are doing the study through video this way tonight because of the cold weather that we've been experiencing and we didn't want anybody driving across possible icy roads on the way in. I want everybody to know that we're praying for those of you who are distant from us in Texas and other places that are being really hit by this storm, that you would have power and be safe and be well. There wouldn't be any problems that arise from the storm itself. And we want to pray for those in North Carolina that were hit by the hurricane, uh, tornado rather, and, uh, and that whole community there. So please be praying for that. Pray for our nation. And uh, we have so many things to pray about. But let me go through some quick announcements and then we'll get to the prayer request. Um, the intercongregational picnic is this coming up Sunday, February 21st at 12 o'clock at Lake Stanley in Defuniac Springs. If you need more information on how to get there or what to do, contact Jonathan at the office. He'll help you with that. Catherine and Jonathan's wedding shower is February 28th at 2.30. We're very excited uh, for their upcoming wedding. We have so many weddings coming up, uh, but we're just so excited about all these young couples that are uh, getting married. Um, Tuesday night next week, we'll continue this study again. All of the ladies' Bible studies and book studies have been postponed until June. Uh, next Shabbat, or actually this coming up Shabbat, we have youth Bible study at 1 o'clock, and then young adult Bible study at 6 p.m. in the Fellowship Hall. Uh, the dates for VTS this year are the 19th through the 23rd of July. That's July 19th through 23rd. Please sign up to help and volunteer to make this VTS the best one we've ever had. Uh, the King of Israel t-shirts have been uh, produced by uh, or uh, made by Christy Johnson and that money for those fundraisers going to help with the facelift for the synagogue. So if you want one of those t-shirts, you can go on Bonfire and get it or contact Christy Johnson for more information. We're continuing to look for helpers with our Mevo or our video ministry on Shabbat and Tuesday nights. If you can help with that, get with Lincoln or Jonathan and they will help you to understand what they need to do for that. Um, we need volunteers to drive people around during the week. Periodically, we have someone that needs a doctor's office or get to a store, or get to some kind of a, a meeting or something, and they aren't able to drive themselves. So we're trying to make sure that we're helping our community by providing that. I want to remind everybody, again, we're raising money for our facelift, painting the outside of the building, making a little repairs. We have almost $3,000 of our $9,000 goal reach. So if you can help with that, please pray about it. And also with Passover coming up, we're providing um, Haggadot to those who need them. They are $6 a piece and you can uh, pay for those in the office so that you can lead your family uh, on your Seder in Passover time. Please pray for Fred and Robin, Jerry and Sandy, Robert and Marquita, Mabel, Jeremy, Misha, Zach, Jake, Gordon, Rabbi Bell, Rabbi Greenberg, Daniel, Will, Timothy and Anna, Raphael, Bethany, Lita, Jim, Rob, Francis, Denise, Zolina, Terry, Karen, Richard, Patty, Noah, Tom, Anita, Betty, Michelle, Rabbi Barsky, Anne, Chad, Ron, Timothy, Cheryl, Thomas, Mary Grace, uh, Lad, Bridget and her family, Maria, Barbara and Naomi, Adam, Ken, Glenn passed away, so please pray for Donna and the family, uh, Kevin, David, Rob, James, Sean, Elizabeth, Sedona, Lisa, and Nathan. 
and all of those names are available on our prayer list, so you can find those. Also, please be praying uh, for Leah and those working on our new website, which we're hoping will be up very soon, and we have an app that's going along with it. We'll be able to transmit our videos on uh, Facebook Live and on YouTube Live and on Apple TV and Roku on our website live uh, all at the same time so that it's available for a lot more people. We found out that uh, Facebook has changed some things so if you don't actually have a Facebook account you can't watch our service on Facebook so we're making uh, technology adjustments so that everybody will have access to our Bible studies and our services so again please pray for those that are putting all of that together for, uh, for that Abba Father we thank you for the opportunity to come together to uh, study your word, to learn a little about you uh, more that will change our hearts and draw us to you and more about ourselves as we're making that journey towards you, Father, that we can adjust our hearts, adjust our actions, repent where we need to, and be strengthened by your Ruach HaKodesh. Abba, we pray for all of those that need prayer, those that need healing, those that need financial blessings, homes, jobs. Father, we just ask that you will meet each of the needs that have been presented for prayer uh, from our family and our extended family. We pray for our nation. We pray for Israel. Uh, we pray against this COVID sickness and all other sickness that is attacking your people during this season. And Father, we pray uh, for a strengthening of the body of believers during this season. In Yeshua's name, amen. Okay, so we are continuing on our study of Romans um, in context, and we are, last week we finished up with Romans 8, uh, 38 and 39, so I'm going to begin there, and then we'll continue from there going through and into chapter 9. Uh, it depends on how quickly we go, whether we'll complete chapter 9 or not, and partially that be, uh, depends on how many rabbit trails or rabbi trails I go on while we're studying. So, uh, Romans 8.38 says, For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Messiah Yeshua, our Lord. That was not the power going out because of the uh, storm or the freezing temperature. It was the timer on the lights just clicked off and clicked back on again. So we apologize for that. We're, uh, we're trying to, uh, to do better about things like that. Anyhow, Romans 8, 38, these last two verses are so powerful and they're so important for us to understand. But I, I want to make it clear that each of these items is an outside force that would come against us. In other words, uh, death or life, angels, principalities, things present, things to come, uh, height, depth, or, or any other created thing cannot be able to, or, and will not be able to separate us from the love of God. But all of those things are external forces that could come against us. We do have the free will and choice to separate ourselves from God, but nothing can force us to do that. And too often we use excuses of circumstances, situations, and, and blame things rather than taking responsibility on our own for our actions 
that separate us from God's will or His ways or uh, when we walk into unrighteousness, especially in our society today, we have so many people that blame everything in the world for their problems or for their shortcomings except for themselves. And the truth is, you and I wake up every morning with an opportunity to walk in the path that God designed for us and to live for Him according to His precepts and ordinances, according to His Word, according to His commandments. And the only thing that can keep us from doing those things is our own choice. It doesn't matter what situations comes up. It doesn't matter how bad they seem in the earthly realm. Our response to those things can be godly and righteous even if those situations are bad or confusing or tormenting to us. We respond based upon where we are in our walk with the Lord. If our hearts are right, we'll respond the right way. If our hearts are not right, we'll respond the wrong way. And it's not caused by other things. Uh, the old saying, uh, the devil made me do it. The devil doesn't have more power or authority than God does. And God can't and doesn't force you to do anything. And the devil can't make you do anything. If you sin today, it's because you decided you wanted to. And so you made that choice and you walked in that way. So nothing can separate us from God, but we have the ability to walk away from Him, to separate ourselves from Him, to choose not to be in fellowship with His Ruach HaKodesh or the Holy Spirit. So again, this is a very powerful vo uh, verse because it lets us know that there's nothing that can force us away from God. But by the same token, it's very important that we understand our responsibility in that we can choose to walk away or to leave Him. And a good example of that is Demas in the New Testament. We read about Demas three times. The first time he's a fellow laborer with Paul. The next time we read about Demas, it says Demas is still here. And the third time we read about Demas, it says Demas is no longer with us, having loved this present world. And we know from the scripture that it says, if you love the world, the love of the Father is not in you, neither can it be. So Demas is a good example of someone who was with God, serving God, loving God, working along with Paul, who chose to love this present world. And because he did, he was no longer along with Paul following the ways of God. He had made a choice, and that choice was for him to separate himself from God, at least at that point. We don't know what happened to Demas after that point, but at that point, Demas had made a choice to separate himself from God, having loved this world. Okay, so we continue on through Romans 9. Paul begins, and this is, is one of those really heart-wrenching series of verses that we're about to read that really tells Paul's heart and how he feels about uh, the ministry that he's doing and, and, and his love for his people, for Israel, for the Jewish people. Paul begins by saying, I tell the truth in Messiah, I do not lie. My conscience assuring me in the Ruach HaKodesh that my sorrow is great and the anguish in my heart up uh, unending. For I would pray that I myself were cursed and banished from Messiah for the sake of my people, my own flesh and blood. Paul begins this chapter by saying how he would be willing to be lost, to be separated from God completely, to spend eternity in torment for the sake of his people. What a testimony, what a statement. I mean, when you think about it, how many of us would be willing not just to say those words, 
Because it's really easy to say, well, I'd be willing to lay down my life for somebody when you're not having to lay your life down. Or I'd be willing to go to hell because, so that you could go to heaven. But when you're actually in that spot, when it's actually a reality, when it's actually the truth from the depths of your soul, how many of us are willing to do that? And the reason I say that, how many of us are willing to do that, is because our example often is that we're not willing to do some things that are really easy to see people saved or to exchange our will or our desires for the desires of other people. How many times have we been asked to do something for somebody and we determined we just didn't want to do it and so we came up with an excuse or reason that we couldn't do it? Simple things like picking someone up. We talked about people driving people to doctor's appointments or the store, places like that. How many of us, the inconvenience of having to change our plan was enough for us not to act in a way that was loving and kind for our brothers and sisters. And we can't even get in the car to drive somebody to a doctor's appointment or to a store or something like that. How are we really going to honestly say we would be willing to give up our redemption for those people? But Paul does, and he says that so powerfully. He says, I would be willing that I could be cursed and banished from Messiah for the sake of my people, my own flesh and blood, who are Israelites. To them belong the adoption and the glory and the covenants and the, of, and the giving of the Torah and the temple service and the promises. To them belong the patriarchs and from them according to the flesh, the Messiah who is over all, God blessed forever. Amen. So this is Paul continuing and he's talking about the Israelites, the Jewish people, the children of, of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the flesh. And to them belong the adoption and the glory and the covenant and the giving of the Torah. And, and I want to point out a couple of things. When it says to them belong the adoption, it doesn't mean that they were adopted, but that you can be adopted Israel, that the opportunity for someone to become adopted into Israel and into the glory of God, into the covenants and into the Torah is available through Israel. In other words, they're the, the, the root or, or the branch that the, that the tree is grafted into and part of it. And it belongs to that. And I love this. And it says, and the temple service and the promises. The reason I love that is because when Paul's writing this, Yeshua has already died. And he's talking positively about the temple service, the sacrifices, the offerings, the things done. Paul is not telling believers, okay, Yeshua has died and we no longer have a need to make sacrifices. We no longer have a need to go to the temple. We no longer have a need for morning or afternoon or evening uh, sacrifice and, and worship. We no longer have those things. And he connects the temple service and the promises of God. Just think about that in our world today and what we're told. Matter of fact, I was told by, uh, asked by somebody this week uh, about the verses in Ephesians and, and how it says that the middle wall of partition was broken down. And the person that asked me that is going to a Bible study and the Bible study teacher had said that that verse and the following verse that talks about the, the, the law that separated the Jews and the Gentiles was, uh, was uh, done away with or changed and, and the people said, see, we don't have to do the temple service. That's what this is all about. This is a ceremonial law and the sacrificial system and all that. But that verse doesn't have anything to do with that. And the truth was that the middle wall of partition was broken down, not so that the Jews could escape 
but so that the non-Jews could have fellowship and enter in. And the animosity or the separation, that which separated the Jews and the Gentiles, was not only the wall of separation, but it was the fact that the Gentiles were separated. But through Messiah Yeshua, they could be adopted in. They could become, as Paul says, part of the commonwealth of Israel. And they can boldly enter in just like any Jew through the adoption of of God. In Romans it says, whereby we call, cry, Abba, Father, just like any child can cry, Daddy, to our Heavenly Father. Every Gentile can join in in this service, in this worship, and participating because the middle wall is broken down, not so that the Gentiles could escape or the Jews could escape, rather, but so the Gentiles could enter in. The wall was a separation of the Gentiles from being part of the temple service and worship and the covenants and Torah of God, not the other way around. God never intended for that to be meant that, okay, the wall's broken down, so now the Jews can escape from my law, from my covenants, from my mitzvot, from those things, but so that the Gentiles could enter in and participate in that. And it's so important when we read Paul's writings that we don't invert them to make it say something it doesn't say. In context, it says the that, that which brought animosity that divided Jew from Gentile was both the wall and the fact that the Gentiles didn't have an entrance point into that covenant. But through Messiah, they have that entrance point. They have that way to come in. And, and it's very much like if a uh, if it takes a, a driver's license and you have to be, let's say you had to be 18 to have a driver's license. And, uh, and that was the law. And so what separated a 16-year-old from an 18-year-old uh, was the fact that there was a law that kept a 16-year-old from doing what an 18-year-old would do. Now, the option is to abolish the law, and Paul actually says in Ephesians that the law wasn't abolished, and it goes on to, in, in Matthew 5.17, Yeshua says himself, I didn't come to abolish the law, but to bring it to fullness. So it can't be that the law was abolished there. What it's saying is it was, it was adjusted, an amendment was made to give access to the Gentiles. Just like if you changed the law and said, okay, 16-year-old can now drive, that doesn't do away with all the laws concerning driving. It just gives access to a 16-year-old in order to be able to drive. And so that's what we have. We have access to the Gentiles to come in. And God did not do away with the temple service or the promises associated with the covenants, the Torah, and the temple service. goes on to say, To them belong the patriarchs, and from them, according to the flesh, the Messiah, who is over all, God bless forever. Now remember, the Jewish people were given the opportunity to, uh, to choose God, to choose God's way, because they accepted that, because Abraham accepted that, then through them all the nations of the earth were given this opportunity to be blessed, or actually the Hebrew there says to bless themselves, and through the Jewish people come the oracles of God. When we talk about Jewish people being chosen, they weren't chosen to be rich, they weren't chosen to be good-looking, they weren't chosen to be powerful, they weren't chosen to be uh, to run Hollywood, they weren't chosen to run banks and other things. They were chosen to preserve the oracles of God and to be the conduit in which Messiah would come in the flesh. That's what the Jewish people were chosen for. And they were chosen to do that so that they could be a light to the nations and so that all the nations could participate through them, not separate from them or different from them, but through them to that. Romans 9, 6 continues, 
But it's not as though the word of God has failed, for not all those who are descended from Israel are Israel, nor are they all children because they're Abraham's seed. Rather, your seed shall be called through Isaac. That is, it's, it's not the children of the flesh who are the children of God, rather the children of promise who are carried, uh, counted as seed. Now, this verse is one that a lot of people get turned around about because they'll say not all uh, those who are descended from Israel are Israel, and, and that's true. Not all those that are descended from Israel are Israel. But what it's talking about is that you can be cut off from the people of God. It doesn't mean that not all Jews are Jews. It means that there's a provision in the Torah that separates those that were Israel from being Israel. So we have those that were part of Israel that were cut off from the people. And then it goes on to say, not, not all are of Abraham's seed. Uh, the, rather, the seed shall be called through Isaac. And that's the comparison of Ishmael and Isaac that we see in Galatians also, where it's not saying that the law versus grace or any of those things that people say about Galatians, but it's about whether we're doing something or whether God's doing something. God's promise was that Abraham and Sarah would have a child, and that child would be miraculously brought forth by God's power. Abraham and Sarah decided they wanted to try to do it on their own and to bring about God's promise by their own power, their own ability, and thus we get Ishmael. But not all of Abraham's seed are Israel. The children of Ishmael were not counted as part of Israel or the descendants in that way or the called or the chosen. Likewise, it's not by our actions or our abilities or our righteousness or our striving to keep the commandments that we become born again or part of the, the born again people of God, the kingdom of God through that born again new birth experience. It's through the supernatural sovereign power of God through his promise. And again, remember the previous verse talked about the promise that would come through uh, uh, the Torah and, its, um, and the temple service and all that. So again, that is, it's not the children of the flesh who are the children of God, rather the children of promise are counted as seed. And that's the way we need to understand this, that Jewish people need to be born again just like non-Jewish people do. Contrary to teaching of some people who believe that Jewish people have their own way to God through the covenant of the Torah, and they don't need Messiah. The scripture clearly tells us that there's none saved apart from Yeshua. None can be redeemed without that provision. And that's a provision that begins at the very beginning of the Torah. This isn't just a New Testament teaching. This is a Torah that comes all the way from the very beginning of the Bible where the promise was that through the seed of a woman, through the birth of a woman, through the Messiah would come back, way back in Genesis that would bring this redemption and this overcoming of the world through a supernatural event powered by God, not powered by our own ability. Romans 9, 9, for the word of promise is this, at this time I will come and Sarah shall have a son. And not only this, but also Rebecca having twins from one act with our father Isaac. Yet before the sons were even born and had not done anything good or bad, so that God's purpose and choice might stand, not because of works, but because of him who calls. God's calling was upon these children before they were born, and God moved sovereignly to bring this about, not through our efforts, our works. We cannot possibly do enough to become righteous on our own. Our righteousness, our best effort is like filthy rags, the scripture says. The only way we can be counted as righteous 
is by putting on His robe of righteousness, by participating in His provision for our redemption through His sacrifice and His atonement. Goes on in verse 12. So uh, it was said to her, The older shall serve the younger. As it is written, Jacob I loved and Esau I hated. What shall we say? There is no injustice with God, is there? May it never be. And I want to point this out that when it says, Jacob I loved and Esau I hated, God did not hate Esau. It wasn't like Esau was born to, to fail or to sin. But what it's saying is really that that. God loved Jacob's presentation of who he was and coming to him by faith and trust where Esau didn't do that. Esau despised his birthright. He despised the things of God, and Jacob loved the things of God. So it wasn't that God hated Esau. It was that God hated the fact that Esau didn't love God, didn't want to serve God, didn't want to do for God, and wanted to do it by his own power, his own ability, because he despised the birthright. And ultimately, it's the birthright that leads us to the Messiah. And there is no injustice with God. I, I, I get really frustrated by some people who believe in uh, predestination in, to the point of saying that there are people that are born that God will not, cannot, and has no intention of ever even trying to save. The scripture says he died for all, and all means all. God did not choose people to be born that have no opportunity for redemption through the blood of Messiah. He died once and for all, not just once and for some, or not just once for all that were chosen, but he died for everybody. And God is not unjust. His provision for redemption is available to every person for all time. And as Paul says, is God unjust? May it never be. For to Moses, he says, I will have mercy on whom I have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. And God has the ability to be merciful to all those he wants to. But the key is this, that God is also under an obligation to his own word. For instance, his word says that if we confess our faults, he is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So if you and I sin, God is obligated by the promise of his word to forgive us and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. He can't look down at us and say, you know, I just don't like you. You know, I'm going to forgive that person, but I'm just not going to forgive you. And too many of us look at it that way as if God can't forgive us because our sins are too great or we're too wicked or we're just not worthy or good enough. God said in his word, if you do this, I will do this. And he is obligated by his word to do that. He shows mercy on whom he shows mercy because he's promised that mercy according to his word. Uh, so it does not depend on the one who wills or the one who strives, but on God who shows the mercy. God's mercy is never ending, and he will provide mercy to those who turn their hearts to him. For the scripture says to Pharaoh, for this very purpose I raised you up to demonstrate my power in you, so my name might be proclaimed in all the earth, so that when he had mercy on whom he wills, and he hardens whom he wills. Now, we know from the scripture that God, the scripture says God hardened Pharaoh's heart, but really what the Hebrew there means is God allowed Pharaoh's heart to be hardened. In other words, God allowed Pharaoh to be Pharaoh, just like he allowed Esau to be Esau. He doesn't force his way into our lives and cause us 
uh, to, to follow him. He will present opportunities for us to. And Pharaoh had plenty of opportunities, just as Esau did. Moses said, let my people go. And he explained, and he went to him, and, and Pharaoh could have chosen to let the people of Israel go without dealing with the repercussions that he ended up through the plagues. But he chose not to. And it was for the deliverance of God's people. Now remember, God could have done that an entirely different way. In other words, God told Abraham that his children were going to be in Egypt for a certain amount of years being servants, 430 years. But it could have ended a different way. He didn't have to destroy Egypt to bring that about. But Pharaoh made that choice. If Pharaoh had let the people go, they would have still been let go at that time, and God would have provided a mechanism in a different way to uh, deliver them, and both of those would have still shown his power. When somebody repents and humbles themselves before they go into a great sin, it doesn't show less of God's power. It actually can show more of God's power that he touched the heart before they fell into a sin. Sometimes we look at people who've been in great sin and we say, wow, God really did a mark in their life. Look how evil they were, and now they're standing before the Lord righteous. But how much greater power is demonstrated when somebody listens to God's voice and they never enter into that realm of sin at all because of God's protection and provision in their lives. So it doesn't make God weak that we don't fall into sin, so he has to get us out of sin. God's strength comes from his word and his promises, which preserve us from those things in the first place. And we're going to close with verse uh, 918, which says, So then he has mercy on whom he wills, and he hardens whom he wills. And again, that's not saying that God chooses people, but he allows people to make their choices, and then he responds to those choices according to the promises and provisions of his word. He will forgive everybody that turns their hearts to him, because that's what his word says. But he will also judge all those who don't because of the choices they make. Thank you for tuning in. We're going to continue from Romans chapter 9, verse 19 next week during our class. I hope this has been a blessing, and if it is, I hope that you'll share it with your friends on your Facebook and other social media so that these lessons can go out to more and more people. I also hope that you'll come in to, uh, on Saturday and join us in service live or on live stream. And remember that we don't have bread today because of the weather, but we will have bread and pastries for you to come by and pick up for free tomorrow during business hours. So come on by, say hello, and pick up some bread. If you don't need the bread yourself, I guarantee you know someone who can use some. And again, it's about being sacrificial. It's about putting others first. It's about what Paul said at the beginning of this lesson. If we're not willing to lay down our will and inconvenience ourselves for others, then are we really standing where we should be before the Lord? So if you don't need bread for yourself, get some and bring it to your neighbors. Demonstrate the love of God to those around you. Thank you so much. God bless and shalom.